Thank you so much. And and I know I've said it already, but you are so blessed to have your women's director. And you're so blessed. I've gotten the opportunity to meet, you know, your DYD's wife and your superintendent's wife. And you just don't know how blessed you are here to have such amazing, wonderful, godly, powerful women of God in those positions and everything. Why don't you give them a hand tonight? Just show them some love because they are just amazing women. And so thank you. Thank you for trusting me and having me in this weekend. And so, uh, you know, I was sitting here and I was listening to the testimonies and everything, and Sandra got up, and she shared, and I thought, well, here, I just need to give her my message, and <laughs> let her preach, that because you talked exactly about what I'm sharing tonight, and it's about that friendship between women, and, you know, that wisdom that we have to impart, and so it was a great intro to the message tonight, and everything, and so, you know, I just, we have had such an amazing time here, just such an amazing time getting to know each one of you and everything, and you're just so amazing, and we actually have some roses for some ladies tonight. It's random, so we're not picking or picking favorites. We believe God will show us who to give those roses to tonight, but I want you to know that, you know, roses are so beautiful. I mean, they are just beautiful, but they have thorns, you know, and I believe that all of us in here as women, we're, we're beautiful in God's eyes. We are so beautiful, but each of us has thorns in our life. We have things that, that have rough edges in our life. We have thorns in our life, things that, you know, hold us back, but you know what? As beautiful as the rose is, you know, we can take this rose and we can put it up on the shelf or put it in a vase and all of those things. But you know what? Unless you take the rose and you crush it in your hand, you won't get the full effect of the rose because a rose smells the sweetest when it's crushed and the aroma fills the room. So some of you may have come in here crushed this weekend. You may have come in here thinking that you're just crushed and beaten down, that God says, in the midst of all that's going on in your life, I'm about to send up a beautiful aroma out of your life if you'll just hold on and you'll just allow me to take control of your life. Will you guys pass those roses out just to some women there? And now, if I have an allergy attack, I have allergies to plant, so, <laughs> so hopefully I'll be able to breathe through it. But um, I just won't touch my face. <laughs> but I, just, I have just fell in love with your hearts. I have just fell in love with the women of Idaho. And, you know, I just, I fell in love with the scenery and that, you know, I mean, we have, you know, we say we have mountains in Alabama, but you know what? We just got hills. You know, we don't have mountains. I open the windows in the morning here and I see the beautiful trees that are changing colors and I see the mountains in the background and I think, oh, the splendor of God. I thought, you know, how beautiful is that? And I just pray that when I get home, the, the leaves are starting to change on our trees. So I won't miss it so bad. But you know what? I just want you to know that God has friendships in this room. You know what? With our sister that's, you know, going through this turmoil in her life and she feels, you know what? There are women in here who need to get her phone number. Okay, I am challenging you. You know, we started a women's group in our, tra- our church called Girlfriends. And you know what? We, <laughs> we had a lot of fun and we did a lot of, you know, great things and everything. But the one thing that I wanted is kind of had a motto that no girlfriend left behind. You know, I mean, like we're to be sisters, to be girlfriends. You know, I have a lot of acquaintances in my life. You know, a lot of acquaintances from travel 
traveling and speaking and everything, but there are that few select group of women who are my sisters, who are just dear friends that I would give anything for, that I would be there for them in a heartbeat. You know what? That's what God wants for us as women. There are, there are women that are struggling and going through things. You know what? I challenge you for women to come up and get her phone number before this is over, before this event is over. Get her number and you call her. You check on her. You be her accountability partner. You pray with her. You check, you know, you cover her in prayer because that's what sisters do. That's what sisters are there for. And so I challenge you to do that and, and we will be praying for you and just believe for a supernatural miracle and when it happens because it will give Gail a call and share that with her so that they all your sisters in here can celebrate with you because God wants to do a miracle in your life you see I need girlfriends in my life you see but so many times it's hard for women to develop strong friendships with girls and does anybody know why that is it's because we are so competitive. We are so, you know, you, men think that they're competitive, right? But my husband can go out on the basketball court with all the guys in our ministry and pastor friends, and they could just be out there. They're talking trash. They're yelling at each other. I mean, you would think they hate each other's guts. I mean, and you're sitting back going, oh, my goodness. I mean, they're never going to speak to each other again. You know, and they're out there, and they're punching each other, and they're running over each other. Our, our team never has a basketball game where someone doesn't end up with, a, you know, a major injury and, you know, at the doctor's office. But, you know, so they're doing all these things, but then they walk off the field or walk off the court or the football field when they're playing football, and they're yelling and screaming at each other, and then they walk off and, hey, man, you want a hamburger? You want to go to get a hamburger? I'm like, you just, like, said the awfulest things to this guy, you know, out there. But you know what? Women are different. You see, I could be walking along with my girlfriend and her say something that offends me. Okay, and I hold it in. I don't say anything to her about it. Men handle things right away, you know, and they're over it. But women, you could say something and hurt your friend's feelings. Five years later, you can be walking through the mall and see her walking towards you and hit your husband. There's so-and-so, there's so-and-so. Can you believe she has the nerve to come up and say hi to me? And he's like... You know, why? And I said, you remember what she did? And he goes, no, what did she do? Well, I don't really know, but I can't believe she has the nerve to say hi to me. You don't even know what she did, but you hold a grudge. Because women are so competitive. Women hold grudges, and we never let our guard down. We never let the mask come off and everything. And so it's so hard to find true friendships. But I want true girlfriends in my life, okay? Because here's the deal. I need a friend in my life who's not afraid to walk up and say, Honey, you got lipstick on your teeth. You need to clean that off. Okay, girl, you got something hanging out of your nose. You, here's the tissue. Fix that. You know, if you're not a good enough friend of mine to tell me that something like that's going on, you're not my friend. You know, and I tell the girls in our ministry, Tell me if something is on me. You know? And so that's what friends do. Friends don't stab you in the back. They just walk right up front and stab you right in the front, you know, and let you have it. Because that's what a friend is. A friend's not afraid to tell you the truth no matter how bad it hurts. You see, and that's what I want in my life. Now, don't come up and tell me all kinds of bad stuff about me. <laughs> so, um, but, you know, but friends are there for you. See, God has friendships in this place waiting to happen. And I believe that he wants to do something so supernatural. You see, I love to watch God formulate those friendships and those relationships in women. It has been talked about so loosely in our society, but I love friendships. I love covenant relationships, that friends for life, no matter, it doesn't matter how up and down life is or anything, you're friends. 
You walk through it together. You see, I love that about friendships. But see, a friendship says that I'm with you. I'm for you. I love you. I don't have to keep proving it to you. I don't have to keep checking in with you to see how you're doing or see how you feel about me. See, there's stability bigger than words and friendships. Friends don't even have to talk sometimes. They just know. They just know. I have a friend back home. She was our associate pastor's wife, and we turned the church over to her and her husband. You know, we're good. We've talked about it. Say, you know what? You don't have to call me every day for me to know that you're my friend. You don't have to... Check on me every week for me to know you're my sister. We cannot see each other for two weeks and pick right back up and just start talking like we had never, you know, been away from each other. We're friends. We get it. I don't have, I'm not insecure about my friendship with her. I'm okay if she hangs out with somebody else. You know, I've got a busy life. She's got a busy life. I'm okay with it because we're friends. You see, friendship goes beyond that. There's commitment. There's a staying power. There's tenacity there. You see, I'm beginning to realize that real friendships begin with God. And it's based on our relationship with him. You see, it's when you find favor with people, genuine love, no lobbying for it. It just happens. You don't have to make the friendship happen. It just happens. But see, he gives you what you need when you need it. But for some of us, friendships are hard to form. For some of us, it's hard to make friendships because we don't know how to let down that wall and let people see the real us, the real you, the real, the insecurities, the vulnerabilities. And so, you know, because, you know, you think if I get too close to them, they might find out really enough about me to not like me. You know, and so, but God says, I have friendships for you. See, he's called us to walk as a team of power, a women, a group of women running towards the same goal, the same purpose, the same power. You see, God wants to establish those covenant relationships here tonight, I believe. But it's hard to find those female to female. Even in the Bible, it's hard to find that. You see, because we don't like to be vulnerable. Because mainly, like we talked about this morning, we were created to war. And so we war against each other. We war against ourselves. We war against our husbands. We war against our children. But God says, I gave you that spirit of war to war against the enemy. Stop using it against each other. Stop using it against yourself. You see, God didn't leave those friendships out of the Bible, though, because hidden deep inside there's a story that just touches my heart, that is so pure, that is so just genuine, that I just love it. See, it's portrayed between... Betray, or portrayed between an older woman in the winter of her life and a younger woman in the summer of her life. You see, let's look at the two characters because the older woman is Naomi. You see, and the younger woman is Ruth. You see, in the Hebrew, their names, Naomi, means my delight or my joy. And it's so funny that I don't remember who was talking about the, the names and everything because there is something to be said about a name. And so Naomi means my delight, my joy. Ruth means friendship. So in reality, God says, I'm putting these two women together that says my joy and my delight is friendship. You see, Naomi is an Israelite woman of integrity. In those days, not so much ethnically, but integrally, you know, spiritually, she was a woman of integrity. She was a covenant praying woman. You see, God spends no time dealing with the things that we deal with in life, dealing with races, dealing with social status, dealing with all of those things. He deals with covenants, with covenant relationships. You see, 
It's not like the women of today who we deal with, you know, what our social status is, always dealing with weight issues, always dealing with, you know, different things in our life, hair color and clothes and all of that stuff. God says, I don't care about any of that. Because, you see, sometimes God puts people together that you would never think would put together as friendships. For most of my life, the people that I end up being just the closest friends with are people that I would have never thought that I would have been friends with, that maybe we thought we didn't have that much in common. Maybe we come from different backgrounds. Maybe that God says, there are things I want you to learn from her, and there's things I want her to learn from you. And see, God will place you together. You see, God says, I want to build an awesome friendship here. You see, Ruth's mother-in-law was a woman of covenant. She went out from a city called Bethlehem and went into Moab with her husband and two sons. But see, the two boys, and her husband's name was Elimelech, they were there for only a season in their life. And their two boys met two girls, as things go. And her boys were attracted to these women, but the problem was that they were heathen Moabite women. You see, and it was not approved of for an Israelite man to marry these heathen women. You see, in the boys' names... And I find this so amazing that the boys' names were Malon and Chilion. Malon means sick and Chilion mean, meaning small and weak. What did these women see in them? I mean, really, I mean, like they were attracted to them. They're the only Israelite men coming in and they just, you know. But the two women were Orpah and Ruth. They were Moabite heathen women. But for some reason, Naomi's husband and her two sons were killed. Not sure what happened. But they were killed. And now we have these three women who are left all alone. No one to protect them. No one to watch over them. No one to provide for them. No one, they were just alone. And in those days, a woman without a husband was just, she had nothing. She might as well just die because there was no one to take care of her. There was no one to protect her. So you see, they had no companionship, no man to protect them. And they were just alone, and a decision had to be made. You see, somebody has to make a decision sometimes. Somebody has to step up and make a decision. You know, we always, you know, it's so hard for us as women to make a decision. What clothes should I wear? What shoes should I wear? What purse should I match with that? What jewelry? You know, what restaurants should I go eat to? We're always so afraid to make a decision, but there's sometimes that you have to step up and make a stand and make a decision and to do the right thing. But you see, you have to be able to make that decision. And this decision, Naomi, had to make. See, she was frustrated, and she was depressed, and she was discouraged, and she didn't want to go on living at that point, but the decision maker in her home had passed away. You see, I hate having to make decisions all the time. I would just as soon let my husband make decisions, you know, let him take the hard stuff, you know, I'll get the kids fed, I'll get the clothes out, you know, I'll wash dishes, I'll fix dinner, let him make the decisions. But you know what? Nothing ever breaks. Nothing ever breaks down or nothing ever explodes or nothing ever, you know, happens until the day my husband gets on an airplane and flies away. And 30 minutes into his flight to Atlanta, where everybody has to go to get to heaven, you know, 30 minutes into that flight, something in the house, the toilet explodes or the car breaks down or the tires are flat or, you know, something, you know, a leak in the pool outside, you know, or something. You know, everything happens when he leaves. And I hate having to make those decisions, but we have to at time. See, this reminds me of the Christians today, that peril and distress take over and we immediately get defeated and discouraged and angry. You see, we're so preoccupied with our hurts sometimes and discomfort that we fail to realize that God is in control, that he doesn't, he doesn't look at the human, he doesn't look at the things that 
we look at and how devastating they are because nothing is too big for him. You see, you have to walk a long time with God to relax in a crisis. You have to walk a long time with God to glory in tribulation. I mean, how many of you, when things hit, when bad things happen, you know, the toilet just exploded. Praise God that you allowed the toilet to explode. No, I'm like, God, why did you do that? He didn't do it, you know. But it takes a long time to glory in tribulation because the tribulation works patience in our life and we become more patient i stopped praying for patience a long time ago and here's why if you pray for something then god will send something in your life to receive patience well i don't want it god don't give me patience because i don't want to have to go through events that make me patient (laughs) so i'll just remain impatient but you know but God says it works patience in your life. You have to be with him a long time before you can go from faith to trust and to know that God is there. You see, I want you to know that I know a little bit about faith. I know that it took faith to believe that we could go to China and get my daughter, but it took trust to walk in there and to take her into my arms. You see, I have faith that that chair is strong enough for me to sit in, but it takes trust for me to sit down in it that it's not going to collapse. You see, Job 23 says, He knows the way that you will take, and when he tries you, you will come out as pure gold. Don't you know that Job, when the enemy came to God, and he said, Hey, God, you know, what about your servant Job? You know, wouldn't you hate to have been Job at that moment? I mean, he came in and said, You know, he's a pretty good guy, you know, but I bet if you did this to him, he wouldn't be so tough. And God's like, Oh, no, I know he would. Just go ahead. Go ahead. And you were like, excuse me, do I have a say in this? You know, (laughs) trust me, God, I'll be good. Don't, you know. But God believed that if he went through the fire, he would come out as pure gold. See, don't you know that sometimes when you walk through things that God says, I trust that you're that you're going to make it through. I trust that you're going to walk through this and you're going to give the devil a black eye in the midst of it. You see, don't you know that he believes in you? See, what happens when trust and confidence leaves? That's when death takes over. You see, Naomi was, she had no confidence left. She was in an emotional state of crisis. You see, she had a crisis of faith. And you see, the outside circumstances had her troubled, and they they were taking an inward toll on her life. She was lost, and her boys were gone, and her husband was gone. She had nothing, absolutely nothing. You see, she's upset to the point of depression in her life, and depression numbs your senses to the point that you cannot sense or feel God. You see, because you become numb and you don't realize or know that God is up to something in your life. You see, I believe that there's women in here tonight. I believe that there's women who have been walking through some things, but can I tell you he's up to something in your life. You know, just like you're not giving up. You're not giving up because let me tell you something. Don't give up too soon because how would you know that it's not right around the corner that God has your miracle? You see, I don't want to miss out on one single thing that God has for me. And so I refuse to give up. Even if I never see it come to pass, I will live waiting and hoping and believing that it will. You see, because I know that he's going to come through for me. You see, have you ever felt numb? Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever been so wounded that your heart loses that feeling? Completely preoccupied with that discomfort and stuff with your own same old, same old days. You see, you better understand that if it accomplishes God's purpose, he's willing to make you uncomfortable. You see, if it's to accomplish his purpose, to touch someone, to minister to someone, he's willing to stir up the pot a little bit to make you a little uncomfortable. You see, his purpose is to make you uncomfortable sometimes. 
times. See, he's not a lazy boy chair. He doesn't just care about your comfort zone. I learned a long time ago that my life was not going to be comfortable. Every time I get comfortable, God shakes it up a little bit and changes things on me. I'm a creature of habit. I like the same things to happen. I like to have a routine. I, I you know, I... You know, I had run a tight ship at my house. You know, I mean, everything is structured. I mean, with as much travel as we do, you have to have that, or it would just be utter and total chaos and everything. And so I like things to stay the same. But God says, you know what, Karen, I never called you to be comfortable, so let's just get rid of that concept, get rid of that idea right now. Let's bring a little excitement into your life. Trust me, our life is never dull. <laughs> and so, but God says, I didn't call you to be comfortable. So at the time that God wanted Naomi she wanted to use Naomi. She was so preoccupied that she fails to be sensitive to what God was doing in her life. See, but God still wants to use her because he had a job for her. So she calls her two daughter-in-laws to her. And she says, okay, girls. She said, you know, I went out full. I left Bethlehem. I came out full, but I'm coming back empty. She said, I've lost it. I have nothing left. She says, I have given it all. It's gone. I'm out of here. She tells him, I'm just out of here. By the way, don't even call me Naomi anymore, which means my delight, my joy. She said, call me Mara, which means bitterness. See, there's sometimes you go through things that tries to change your name, but God says, no, honey, I've got a better name for you. I've got a better thing for you. Don't give up. You see, she says, call me Mara Bitterness, because she said, I have changed my name. She says, have you gone through something that's changed your name from sorrow to peace or from, you know, joy to sorrow, from peace to chaos and all of that? You see, you've been through something that tried to take you out. Something that tried to change your character, tried to disfigure you. See, people don't know what you come through. You don't know the things that I've walked through that made me who I am today. I don't know the things that you've walked through that's made you who you are today. We all have our stories, but our stories are what's going to make us great if we allow it to. Our stories can change us and transform us into a powerful woman of God. She said, I've lost everything, so you know what, girls? I'm just going to kiss you all goodbye. I'm out of here. She said, but one of them's name was Orpah, not Oprah to be confused with the lady who's trying to sell a world, you know, religion and everything, but her name was Orpah. Orpah comes to her and begins to weep wail and lament before her. She's been a godly, she has seen and been around a godly woman, Naomi. She represents those folks who want to change, but they never quite get there. They never can quite let go of the past. She, she cries out to Naomi. She said, I will miss you. I don't want you to leave. I want to go with you, but she didn't really want to go with her. She didn't want to leave familiarity. She didn't want to leave her comfort zone. She's just like Lot's wife. She can't leave. She can't walk away. The things that are killing her, the things that are destroying her, but she keeps going back to it. You see, Orpah represents that group of people who hold on to the past, who never step out and step into their destiny. You see, incidentally, her name in the Hebrew means stiff-necked. It means she can't change. She's stuck in her way, stuck in all that. Are you getting this? Stuck in one direction, stuck in the same habits, the same focus, stuck in doubt, stuck in debt, stuck in sorrow, stuck in religion, stuck in just familiarity. It's like the prodigal brother that says, why is he getting the party? You know, it's like we're so concerned about everybody else. Just like Mary and Martha, I'm in here cleaning while she's in there gleaning. You see, it's all its being stuck, ready to go to a new level, a new place, but you're too stuck where you are. 
but you better loosen up because the party's about to start. And God says, I want you to loosen up. I don't want you to miss out on anything, anything that I have for you. But here comes the blessing. Here comes what God wants to say. Jesus says, you'd better get ready because God's about to open the door of blessing for you. He says, about to open up the windows and pour out a blessing that you won't even have room enough to contain in your life. You see, you better get out of your comfort zone. You may have to disconnect from society and the people that you've been hanging out with, the negative people, the naysayers, the gossipers, the the people who are bringing you down, the people who are constantly throwing your past up at you, the people that are constantly telling your husband doesn't love you or that your children are going down a bad path. You may have to leave some people behind along the way as you step up to a new level. You may have to step up higher than the ones you're hanging out with. But you see, Orpah was stuck. She couldn't change. It's amazing that we remain so faithful and so and we hold on to the very things that are destroying us, the very things that are killing us. But you see, she was stick neff. I want to go, but I can't. I like Moab. It's familiar. Just because it's familiar doesn't mean that God wants you to stay there. Just because it's comfortable doesn't mean he wants you to stay there. You've got to get out of that comfort zone, that familiar zone. I'm talking about the place where you're just surviving and start living a victorious life. You see, I don't want to just survive. I don't want to just, you know, have my kids just be healthy. No, I want them to be flourishing in their life and pursuing their dreams and pursuing what God has for them. Not just surviving. I want them to be overcomers in their life but see the thing is that you have got to get to the place where you say i am victorious you've got to get to a place where you look at the devil and you say excuse me but i would rather suffer the afflictions of the righteous than to live one day in this place with the evil you see better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere see i don't care whatever i have to endure it's better than the alternative of living without his mercy and his grace in my life you see you have to make up your mind i'm not going under i am going over See, you have to tell the devil look at him and say you are a liar everything you say is a lie and the opposite of what you say is what i'm holding true to that god loves me that he cares for me that he watches over me see god's not done with you yet God's got something for you. You see, when you've gone through enough trouble, you will make up your mind to get up and get out. It's time to go somewhere tonight or today. But the other variable, and there's always another variable, the other variable is then there was Ruth. You see, Orpah, she was stuck in the old. But you know what? Then there was, let's look at Ruth. She had the same problem that Orpah had. She lost her husband. She had been around a godly woman. She had the same family, the same, she had the same hurt. But she made up her mind to have a different attitude. It amazes me. See, it amazes me that two people can go through the exact same thing and come out completely different. You see, sometimes it's not really what you go through. It's who's going through it that matters. Because you see, there you could go through the same hurts, the same turmoil as a child, grow up the same way, you know, and who goes through it? You know, it makes a difference. Because you see, some things... Folks have gone through tough times, grown up in rough homes, had bad things happen to them, been abused, but chose to be overcomers and not victims. You see, that's what I'm saying. You can make a choice. You see, everybody has a story, but you can't change your past, but you can change where you're going. You can change the direction that your future will go. See, Ruth says, you know what, Orpah, be quiet. Okay, it's about time we tell somebody to be quiet, you know, with all the negativity, all the down talking. And she says, be quiet. You know what? It's my turn to talk. She said, because I've got something to say. She says, Naomi, I don't know where you're going, 
but I'm going with you. She says, I don't know where you're going to live, but that's where I'm living. She said, because I know one thing, and your God is my God, and I am following you wherever you go. You see, she made up her mind. There was nothing left in this heathen nation for her. There was nothing there. She had been in the presence of a godly woman. She had been in the presence and learned from a godly woman, and she said, I don't know what the future holds for me, but I'm going to attach myself to that woman, and I am going to learn from her. And you see, she said, I don't know where you're going, but I'm going. See, they were hungry for more. She was hungry. She said, I believe in the God that you serve. But what made her so desperate? See, when somebody's desperate, something made them that way, made them radical. They've been shoved around. They've been backed into the corner and had to fight their way out. You see, there's times that we need to fight our way out and say, Devil, you are not holding me bondage anymore. I have everything inside of me to rise above what you're trying to do to me, and the victory is already mine. You see, after all, this woman lived in Moab, filled with Moabites, rooted in a fellow named Moab who was rooted in a guy named Lot who had an incestuous relationship with his daughter that produced Moab and Amnon. You see, out of Moab came the Moabites. Out of this perversion comes a nation of people of which Ruth belonged to until she met Naomi. You see, how many of you want someone to come up to you and say, I was going through this, someone at work, I was this way, I was that way, but then I met so-and-so that showed me a new way, that showed me a new hope. You see, out of this nation she was from, but Naomi was God's commercial in the middle of Ruth's life. You see, I want to be a commercial in the middle of girls' lives across this nation. I want to be a a commercial in all their chaos and all they're being taught in the magazines and teen magazine and, you know, in what they're being taught in secular humanism and all of that stuff at colleges and teaching them all this stuff. There's no absolute truth or whatever. And then I want it to go, here's a commercial. Something that's real. I want to be that for women that I meet. I want them to see truth. I want them to see realness. You see, God sent somebody to let you know that you have an option. You see, whether you're at the break room around the water cooler, the drive-in on a plane, every time I get on a plane after an event, you know, I'm just exhausted and everything, and I think, God, please let me have the whole row. Please let me have the whole row. I just want the whole row to myself. (laughs) I just want to rest, and sure enough, there's always somebody who looks at me and says, hey, what do you do for a living? (laughs) And I opens up a whole door, and I end up ministering or something on the plane, and it's amazing. By the time it's over, I'm so grateful, but But you come alive because you realize this is my opportunity to make a difference. This is my opportunity to pour into someone's life. Because if I pour into her life, she's going to go home. She's going to talk to her husband. She's going to talk to her kids. Their kids are going to talk to people at school. Those kids are going to go home and they're going to talk to their parents. It's a trickle-down effect. And so we don't realize the impact that we make. You see, I want to be that commercial. But you see, sometimes things have to get tough to get us up and get going. You see... Ruth was under pressure because Naomi's leaving had forced her to make a decision. No more comfort zone, honey. you got to make a decision. You see, I 
have to make a decision. She probably thought, I don't want to live in both worlds. I have to make a decision. I can't just ride the fence anymore. You know, as long as she was in Moab, she could still be a part of Moab, but still live a little bit on this side and have the good life. But you see, she had to make a decision, which was a crazy decision. If it's a God decision, it's a crazy decision. And it seems like nothing can be accomplished unless God does it. Those are the most wonderful things. But sometimes he has to be a, has to do that tough thing to get you moving, to stir up the heat a little bit. See, sometimes Elijah, the brook has to dry up for you to move on to the next journey that God has for you. You see, God says, I want you to move and to do what I've called you to do, to make that decision. Wor- worship like you used, don't worship like you used to, but worship a new song. Be in a, you know, worship a new way. Come into God and just rejoice with him. I don't want the same old, same old worship in my life. I don't want the same old this. I want to worship in truth and in purity in life, and I want to sing a new song to him every day. You see, you have to make a decision because the Spirit is moving and I want to follow it. You see, get ready to find your purpose, ladies, because God has something so awesome. God has a huge purpose for you. But Ruth had to make that decision that she didn't want to let her environment dictate who she became. You see, you have to make up your mind that you can't be double-minded. The flesh will say, don't do it, but the Spirit says, go for it. The Spirit says, just jump. See, Ruth came to that place where there was intimacy involved. You see, you have to understand that he is a God of the suddenlies. You see, she came to that decision and she came to that door, the door of opportunity. Trust me, when that door of opportunity opens from God, jump through it. Jump as fast as you can. He's a God of suddenlies and he wants to take you on a journey and he wants to be the lover of your soul and he wants to show you great and adventurous things in your life. Jump when he opens that door into the new adventure that he has for you. See, this is a message of announcement. God is getting ready to move you, to move in your spirit, to move you to a new level, a new dimension of his glory, to move you to where you start seeing miracles in your family, where you start seeing miracles in your your marriage, in your children, your children who have may have been unruly now come into submission to what God has them because they see something changed in mom. You see, God says, I'm calling you to something greater. So Naomi and Ruth went to Bethlehem, and it was during harvest time. You see, there is such a power in friendship. There is something special about Naomi and Ruth and the relationship that they shared. See, Naomi may have been bitter at that moment, but it would only be for a season until she realized that God wasn't done with her yet. See, you may be thinking that you're at the end and God doesn't have anything left for you, but open your eyes. There's always something right around you that God says, look, I want you to do this. I want you. He can always use you. You see, he wasn't done with her yet. You see, I believe, and I'm so strong about the Titus 2 women, Titus 2 woman, and this is what my goal is with the girls in our school. I want to train them up. I don't want them to grow up not knowing what a true woman of God is supposed to be like. I don't want them to lose their purity. I don't want them to, you know, get into a marriage and it be unhealthy. I don't want them to have problems down the road with integrity issues. And so I want to walk alongside them, teaching them just in everyday life, having them over to the house when I'm cooking, having them over to the house when I'm just doing stuff. You know, Thanksgiving and different things when they can't go home for, you know, for Thanksgiving to come to the house and just being with them so that they can just glean in everything. You see, the Titus 2 gives us a mandate to train up and encourage the younger women coming up under us. Too often today, older women are an untapped resource in our churches. You see, they are an untapped resource. And while younger women need 
an example, but are often unteachable and stubborn and won't take it from the older women. You see, see, it's a combination of them being untapped. You see, I am still a Ruth in many ways. There are women I want to learn from you. I want to learn from you. I want to surround myself with godly women because I haven't arrived. I make mistakes. I do things. But you know what? I'm also a Naomi because there's been girls who have been placed in my care that I have to train up. So you never become one or the other. You should always, always be learning, always be teaching, teaching what you're learning. You see, I want to be that. You see, few women have mastered the gift of teaching their wisdom to the next generation. And fewer women are willing to listen with wisdom that flows from older women's lips. You see, I have determined to align myself with those godly women and listen when they speak. You see, Naomi must have done something right to have gotten such a commitment from her daughter-in-law. You see, after Naomi's husband and sons died, she was to return home. She appeared to be alone and bitter and hopeless, but God said otherwise because he had a work for her. Why was Ruth so determined to stay with her? You see, apparently she had seen the real deal in Naomi. Obviously she had seen Naomi survive other things in her life. Even though she was a Moabite heathen woman, she must have felt acceptance and love from this woman. You see, she must have seen Jehovah and and seen the reality of him and Naomi's family. You see, you can feel her determination to associate herself with Naomi's God. You can see that determination. You see, they returned to Israel, and Ruth worked in the fields while Naomi stayed home. It was harvest time. So each night, Naomi would encourage her and equip her, and Ruth was willing to listen and be obedient and be a teachable young woman. You see, their names together meant my delight is friendship. But let's finish the story. She was in a strange land. She had made it back with Naomi, and God had ordered her steps. She was broke. She had nothing to her name. She said to Naomi, you know what, Naomi, I'm not going to sit here and starve to death. I'm going to go out and find us a blessing. I'm going to go out and look for a blessing. She's out there working to get scraps from the field. Okay, just scraps so they can make a loaf of bread, you know, so that they don't starve to death. I mean, she's out there working to get those scraps, and she's got a little bag, and she's just walking around, and she's just picking up the pieces that are left behind, like Naomi had instructed her to do. You see, but Naomi was setting her up for success all along the way, and victory in her life. You see, God puts you in a blessing you don't even deserve most of the time. The Bible says that while she was out there, she just happened onto Boaz's field. And she just happened to find out that he was her kinsman redeemer. You see, kinsman redeemer means the right through marriage to marry someone, to marry you out of your crisis, to redeem you out of that crisis. That means he had the right to buy her out of something that she was in. He could make her a citizen. I believe in the next few days that God is going to happen to put you in a position for an amazing blessing in your life. And you're going to just stumble upon the blessing that God has for you. See, when you seek him, you will find him. He loves blessing his children. See, God will make a way when there is no way. Boaz said, she is mine. He saw her on the field. And don't you know he just stood back and he was watching it. You know, everybody was walking on the field. And he said, hey, hey guys, who is that? And they told her, she just, that's Naomi's, you know, daughter-in-law. And he said, okay, keep an eye on her. He said, you know what, guys? As she's walking through, you know, leave a little behind. You know, just leave a little behind for her. And he said, you know, I'm going to keep my eye on that woman. 
See, it wasn't supposed to happen. You see, God said, I will give you fields and lands you didn't even deserve. There she was gleaning in the corner of Boaz's field. When he came along, he looked over in the corner and he saw her and sparks begin to fly. You see, God says, I've not only got provision for you, I've got love for you, I've got you taken care of. I got it taken care of. You see, God told me, to tell you that your blessing has already spotted you. You see, Boaz spotted her before she ever spotted him. You see, you didn't happen to get on God's field. You didn't happen to just be where you are. God's setting you up for a miracle. You see, you're not here by mistake or by chance. Everything you went through was for a blessing, for a purpose. You know what? The eight years or so that I went through struggling with infertility was to bring the most amazing blessing into my life. You see, I wouldn't have my daughter if I hadn't grown up during those eight years, quit being a whiny baby and became the woman that I needed to be, then God could bring me a blessing. You see, he knows the end from the beginning. Boaz said, bring that woman out of the corner. She is better than that. She deserves better than that. You see, God gave her three Ps, I believe. He gave her permission to come out of the corner. If God gives you permission, then you can come out of anything in your life. You see, I got permission. I got a hall pass from God. I got permission to go where he's called me to go. You see, Boaz said, let her move through the fields and don't you dare lay a finger on her. He said, you know what? I'm giving her protection. I'm giving her permission to be there. And not only that, I'm going to protect her. He said, go where you want, through water, through high waters, through fire, no matter what you go through. And she walked with protection. And then God says, you know what? I'm going to give her provision. I'm going to give her everything she needs. Boaz said, now when she comes through, guys, I want you, I know, you know, I just want you to drop some behind. You know what? Give her the good stuff. Don't just throw the bad stuff out there. Give her a little good stuff behind. And she had no idea that she was being set up for a miracle. You see, while you are gleaning, leave some behind, he said. In 1 Corinthians 2, it says, eyes have not seen, ears have not heard. He gives you divine provision. And they left the blessing. But can I tell you something? God can leave you all the blessing in the world, but you've got to pick it up. You've got to reach down and pick up the blessing that he gives you. You've got to walk in it. Ladies, if you'll stand with me, because, you know, I believe that God is going to do something so amazing here tonight or this afternoon. See, we have to walk out our faith. We have to receive our blessing. You see, God says, I have so much for you. See, their names meant my delight is friendship. Because, you see, together we can find the purpose that God has for us. You see... God has friendships waiting on you tonight. He wants women to have godly and pure friendships. See, Naomi found and Ruth found their kinsman redeemer because they were willing to let down their pride and selfishness and help each other. You see, we can be so selfish sometimes and just get what we can, get it all for us, get it all, you know, I don't want to miss out on a blessing, I'm just going to keep it all to myself. But you know what, the lady over there may need a blessing too, and he gives us more than what we could ever imagine. If he can get it through you, he'll get it to you. You see what I'm saying? He will bless you with abundance if he knows he can get you to bless someone else. You see, because Naomi was faithful, even in the hard times of her life, to teach Ruth, God was able to turn her emptiness into fullness in her old age. You see, because Ruth was teachable, God was able to bring her her kinsman redeemer who would take care of her and Naomi. You see, through their obedience, they were able to find their purpose in God. And can I tell you, because of Ruth's obedience, she would end up being in the lineage of Christ. Because of her obedience, God was able to use her so powerfully. 
You see, we need women who will step up to the plate and teach other women. I want to be a Ruth. I want to learn all I can. But I also want to be a Naomi. And as I learn it, I want to teach the next generation of girls. You see, I want to be a woman that leaves a legacy. See, that's what it's about. I want when I'm gone, long gone... I want there to be a legacy. You know, we have some friends, um, uh, Joel, well, she's passed away, but it's Joel and Amy Stockstill in Shreveport, Louisiana. And you know what? She developed cancer. They were very young. I think they were in their late 20s or whatever. And she had come to my home, and she had brought me this beautiful candle. It was a beautiful smelling candle. But when they had went home, they found out she had cancer, and it wasn't very long at all until she passed away. And, you know, the fu- at the funeral, there were young girls, because they were youth pastors, they had like, oh my gosh, I don't even know how many, 20,000, you know, young people who come through their ministry and, or their church and everything, and just thousands of young people that she poured into these girls and everything. And at the funeral, there were just girls lined up. She had had such an impact on their life. She had had such an impact that they decided when Valentine's came around, they made it Amy Stockstill Day because they dedicated the holiday of love to this girl, this woman, this precious woman, because she made that kind of impact into the girl's lives. That's what I want. I want to leave a legacy. I want, when I'm gone, for that legacy to, to just continue to go on, that they can say, the power of God is what makes a difference. You see, how many of you want to leave a legacy? How many of you want to leave a legacy to your own children? How many of you want to leave a legacy to the women that you, you know, you work with? And you know what? I don't want, you know, I truly believe, you know what? My daughter, if I raise her right, if I guide her and direct her in the right ways, my son, if I raise him in the right way, but if I train her up to be a woman of God, then she'll train her daughter to be a a woman of God and she'll train her daughter to be a woman of God and they'll impact their friends and it's just it's a dominoes effect and it just goes and it goes and it goes but see we learned the first service we got our hope back the second service we learned that God has such awesome gifts for us that we are precious daughters of the king this morning that we realized that we can be a woman of God we can protect our our purity our home our husbands but today what are you going to do with it What are you going to do? Are you just going to hoard it all inside for yourself? Or are you going to make a difference in the lives of women around you? And so what I want us to do tonight, I want you to come up front right right now. If you'll just move towards the front. Ladies, you know, don't be shy. I have you do it every time. You should be used to it. So come forward because I want you, I know it's kind of silly, but up front God says, here it is. All the blessings that I have laid out before you. All the things, all that you need, everything you need, the strength, the courage to be a woman of purity, to be a woman of passion, to guard your home, to guard your heart, to guard your children, to guard your husband. You know what? To get your hope back, to to find out that you're a lovely princess to me. It's all right here. But are you going to pick it up? Are you going to walk out the door? And say, that was great, that was nice, it's just not for me. Who doesn't want freedom? Who doesn't want purpose in life? Are you going to walk out and never tell anybody else about it? 
what God has done in your life. So what I want is every woman, I know this is silly, but you know what? It's all girls here. Nobody sees us. You know, <laughs> it's silly, but I want every single woman just to step forward a step and just reach down and scoop up the blessing that God has for you and see if he doesn't just flood you with that blessing. And as you do that, just scoop it up and raise your hands up in the air and say, thank you, God. Thank you for the blessings that you've given me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for making me a woman after your heart. But Lord, help me to not let your word die with me. Help me to pass it on. Help me to be a Naomi. And help me to always be a Ruth. And what I want you to do, ladies, I want you to gather together in groups. And I want us to minister to each other. You see, because that's what it's all about. It's about being sisters. Let the guard down. Take the mask off. Nobody's perfect. Nobody has it all figured out. You know, nobody has a perfect marriage. Nobody has a perfect kids. Nobody has a perfect job. Nobody has a perfect home. So just let the guards down. And let's walk around and let's love on each other and minister to each other and minister life to each other. Sisters mentoring sisters.